Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. All right, welcome to part two of class one of the summer semester where we are talking about subcultures and countercultures or just subcultures if you're not a pretentious dick um i'm brian courtney i'm darren jolly and uh well like i said welcome to part two so we we kind of touched on hip-hop and and how that crossed over and made it to mainstream you know we talked about the tattoo things we kind of talked about people living in their vans or many houses and i think the the main thing that i was getting at or the main reason that i wanted to do the show was because anything that was once cool that not everybody fucking loved is now loved by so many and is it because there is a true love of that thing or because those people that i i referred to as the tastemakers the the trendsetters the marketers are are they so fucking good at their jobs that they make us love something that wouldn't have previously been loved like okay so and this doesn't have jack shit to do with subcultures. Well, maybe. But, um, Kale, I fucking hate that shit. But the marketers out there are talking a lot of fucking people into loving Kale. And, and like, they tell you, well, it's a fucking superfood. And it does this. It tastes like dog shit. I fucking hate it. Spinach is also a superfood, and it tastes good. That reminds me of the old black lady that was in Bulworth. He doesn't like collard greens. He just thinks they're collard greens. It's kale. <laughs> so, I'm going to go home once I find my panties. I like to see this funny shit that movie. So really, I mean, you know, we, we talked about monetizing stuff and, and marketing. Because another thing, and this is a vegetable thing too, but I mean like those bagged salads... Like, it used to be that it was a bag of lettuce and, you know, maybe some carrots or radishes or whatever. Now, I'm fairly certain that a lot of them, depending on what brand you buy, they just take up the shit that they were going to throw away and chop it up into itty-bitty pieces and fucking sell it for $5 a bag, and people are buying it. Well, if you got a nice raspberry vinaigrette in there, you know, with some bacon bits or... So healthy people are probably a subculture too, and there's billions to be made off of those people. But I don't think that being healthy is being cool necessarily. I'm not saying that you can't be cool and be healthy, but, well, hopefully you guys understand what the fuck I'm saying. Darren's looking at me like he doesn't. I just just want to talk to you for a quick second on a brief aside, just a brief aside. You know, you're concerned about our flow, but I just want to say in the spirit of, you know, uh, the Nuggets all like whooping up on the fucking 
Timberwolves and then the Suns and then the Lakers and the fucking Heat, you know, in 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 in, in the respect of basketball, we we fall back into our rhythm like Clyde Frazier and Earl Monroe, brother. So yeah, we did all right. <laughs> we did good. Um, so which is a reference to rounders, just in case. I'm not going to give you my illusions all the time, but I'll give you that one. So what? What other subcultures? I mean, because like as far as we talked a little bit about hippies. So as far as I'm concerned, and obviously not all of them, you know, some of them died. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them did what I would have called selling out. I mean, Santana, Carlos Santana, fucking flat sold out as far as I'm he concerned. He would give like a 12 minute soliloquy about Jesus at every fucking concert, dude. Like, that's fucking horrible too. And that's a different version of selling out. Maybe that's just because he thinks he's that much closer to dying or that much closer to Jesus. Well, I mean, I guess that both things could be <laughs> happening at the same time. But so, <laughs> but this is where you get into one of those spaces where, like, it's like the revolution starts happening too quick, right? Like, I think about, like, uh, so the dead, when originally they were doing what they were doing, they didn't have so many people following them. But by the time, I mean, so, like, I, I started listening to Dead about 93, you know. I was uh, 17 years old at the time. Um, I went to see him. We tried to get sh- tickets to the McNichols Arena show um, in 93, but there was no way. I went in 94 um, and went to we Vegas. Couldn't in even get a miracle. No, there was no, there was no, no, there were no miracles. It was cold. We got a lot of good mushrooms and uh, some very nice uh, kind buds and stuff. So a couple of nice tabs of acid, you know, but uh, nothing, no music, just drugs, right? So tomato, and, tomato, yeah. <laughs> tomato but so jerry wouldn't come back to colorado at that point because like in the 80s he you know he was partying so hard and he became a heroin addict and he was having physical difficulties the last time he played at red rocks he about fucking killed over so he wouldn't play at altitude because he couldn't breathe but he you know like uh, just push came to shove and he came back here and then again in 94 they did the and i went to all three of those shows at at ming nichols and just got way too lit and didn't understand. I, I wasn't feeling it, but like by the time I went to see the Dead Shows in Vegas in '94, you know, you're you, you, like uh, I had some nice Jesus LSD at that one and was having a really good time, except for the fact that I was with Pickle. That's never never good for enjoying a show, but I was dancing at least, you know, having fun, like uh, getting getting involved in it. But by that time, uh, the number of people that were following the Dead, I mean, it had exploded. Like the subculture had been. Did I ever tell you what happened in Chicago in in '95 at the last shows with with the guy coming up to me with the uh, we we smoked the bowl? So he this guy walks up to me right and there's hundred thousand people on the lot right and Jerry Garcia's Garcia security that's like what the security people they were all over the fucking place and uh, this guy come I'm 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 it's the I, I'd gone the night before I was very it was it was early enough in the day that I was pretty well hungover. And I was smoking a bowl, and this guy comes up to me and asks me if he could smoke. I mean, of course, you're at a show, so or you're, you're at a pre-show, like, parking lot scene. And so you, you, I'm like, of course. So he's like, uh, and I'm, what is it? It's, it's July 95, so I'm 19. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty young and still relatively naive at that time. And he, he looks around, and he says, he says, you know, there's something wrong. 
around here. And I'm like, okay, you know, and he's like, well, just come with me for a minute, you know? And he says, look at all these Garcia security people that are all around, right? And look at the, uh, 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 the balloons, um, the nitrous, yeah. the nitrous balloons, right? So they sell them for five dollars a balloon, and there's there's a a tank here, there's a tank there, there's a tank there. There's literally like fifteen tanks that are like uh, just sort of like all over the you know five bucks and a balloon, five bucks and a balloon. He says, now watch this. He says there are going to be communications between all these people. They're going to move all the tanks, and then Garcia Security is going to come up and they're going to bust one person that's doing a tank. And they're going to stand over that tank and bleed that tank while the other 14 of them are going to continue doing their, doing their business. And I, was, I don't get what he means, you know, in that moment. And uh, we're smoking and uh, I kind of watch things rotate a little bit. And uh, somebody takes the tank and puts it right in front of the car that we drove to, to get in there with. There were some girls that we met from Littleton that had a hotel room and we, were, we stayed with them the night before and, so he, you know, he, he's like, have a good show, you know, and he takes off. The next thing I know, Garcia security comes up and busts the guy that's running the tank in front of my, the car that we're at. And they do exactly what it was that he said to me. And the tank starts bleeding out and they're just emptying it. And meanwhile, there's 150, 200 other Garcia securities that are all over the fucking place. These two guys are bleeding the tank. And the other 14, you know, balloon zones are, you know, just pumping out five dollars every every 30 seconds, right? When you say Garcia's security, are you talking about Jerry Garcia's security entourage? What, so no, 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 no. The, so the security in the parking lot in '95 had shirts on them that said Garcia Security. That's okay. What it said. Okay, right? no, that's fine. No, I just wanted question. to it's clarify. It's a question. No, I want to paint the picture better. If I'm not making it clear, I want to make paint the picture. So they had these bad eyes that said Garcia Security, and they were the, like the security that was paid to sort of like roam around the area, right? I don't know if they're, you know, if it was a Hell's Angels thing still, or if it was some other security I think that thing. Shit or probably went away in the early 70s, yeah. yeah. But I mean, no matter what, these guys were big guys, and they were doing their thing, and they were wearing fucking tie-dyes, and it was kind of a weird thing, right? So they're bleeding it, right? So this guy comes up and starts talking to him there, right? And there's this red minivan that's right next to us. And he has, so like when you're at a dead show, like during that time period, there would be people that would be selling shirts that would be stuff that people created, you know, Dark Star, Eyes of the World. Like it would be something very specific to a person's creative license. And they would sum up the shows and that would get them from place to place to place, right? But there would be sh there are shirts at the shows that were like the studio shirts, right? Like where if I saw somebody wearing a shirt like that, that's a person that hasn't really been around for a long time. They're like part of the corporate culture in relation to it. So this guy's got one of the tour shirts that's like a studio shirt, right? And he's got a fucking big old goofy gold Mercedes necklace on his, yeah, totally fucking goofy motherfucker, right? So he talks to those guys that are in front of the, that are bleeding the tank. And then he goes over and he opens up the sliding door of the minivan and there is stacks of $100 bills and $50 bills and $20. There's so much fucking money on this seat in there. And like the second that I see it, I look away because I don't want anybody accusing me of anything if anything fucking happens, right? right. And he go, goes back and talks to them 
and there's some money exchanged. That's done. And then I watch the same thing happen again after he closes the door. So in that moment, this guy had explained to me what it was that was happening on the lots that I was totally oblivious to because I was a 19-year-old stoner idiot, right? And what was happening was you had 100,000 kids that would flood into these cities with shows and you only got you know enough for 20 30,000 seats and with the floor and with the you know because it was a soldier field so it's big it's a big fucking space at that one but still you got 40 50 60,000 kids that are outside during the shows that can't get in and they're partying all night long so there's a ton of money to fucking be made so what had become abundantly clear at that point in time is there was a money machine in relation to the nitrous operations that were functioning in the parking lots during those time periods I've been to a lot of shows. I've been to a lot of fish shows. I've been to a lot of other shows. I never seen anything like I saw during that time period. And that was like, if it wasn't a seven figure deal, it was at least a six figure to the five or six, $700,000 a show, you know, or, or, or multiple show situation at that time. And these people were making money hand over fist. So the culture that existed in 71, when you had, you know, people that were going to like Warfield, you know, where there's only like 3000 seats or something like that. And you've only got just a certain number of people that are, you know, where miracles happened, where you get the tickets and all that kind of stuff. Things went from that subculture space to a, a, a fucking money-making machine. And like, I, I would remember when I'd be at shows, like, so in, when I went to the Vegas shows in 95, because my memory was so affected when I get fucked up at those shows. I, I started doing shows sober in 95. Um, and, uh, and I smoked still sometimes, but I wasn't getting blasted like out of my mind because I wanted to remember them. I wanted to be there, you know? Um, but uh, that was not the prevailing thought process or ideology that was being existing inside of the culture itself. People went there to get fucked up. There was a ton of fucking money that was being made. And there was no longer... If there was a spiritual component that existed with the Grateful Dead in 71, it was all but dead in 95. And I remember I, I went to... There was... On the third night of well, that was the after Vegas the shows, Touch of Grey album, right? Way, way after. So we're, 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 we're 12, 12 years down the road, 13 years down the road. Touch of Grey was 80, 81, 82, something like that. So that's uh, uh, what was the one that they did in the early nine in the dark was the no, that's touch of gray. They didn't do a lot of stuff later after that. They built last after that. There weren't a lot of studio albums after that. Okay. But they played this song called days between. And this is one of the songs that like affected me a ton to where like I quit doing, I, I started doing shows sober because it was affecting my ability to be there, you know, and when I would listen to Jerry like play and sing during that time period, particularly like, like that song, the the whole place was silent during that space. And it's sort of like a it's a very low. It's not like Sugar Mags or something like that where everybody's you know uh, Scarlet Begonias everybody's you know bouncing around going crazy, coming blues or something like that. It's a much more serious you know sort of an emotional kind of kind of like song but like I really got the sense that I, I felt really bad for Jerry during that time period because it was like whatever it was that the original idea was that was behind what they were doing was so far separated from where he was at in that moment like I, I, I'm sure he was doing heroin and 
because it got so bastardized and so distorted and destroyed and it was no longer about the music it was no longer about the experience it was about a bunch of people that were addicts that were hanging on to his every note you know and that's not that's not what the original subculture idea space you know like the acid test stuff what was going on there where sometimes like the the dead would be playing or the warlocks before they became the dead would be playing at that time period um they were playing but everybody wasn't just like like vampirically like zoned in on everything that they were doing they were sometimes doing other <clears throat> like art activities painting or other things were happening you know you'd have fucking neil cassidy over here doing some goofy shit and it wasn't about the spectacle it was about something where everybody was participating in this other it was like a community thing and it it was not like that at the end so like grossly not like that at the end you know you have to wonder on some level if it's the promoters that cause that if it's the record companies if it's a combination of the two if it's just society in general like i mean like i said you know i mean with any of them i mean dude they just they fucked up jazz they fucked up food they've fucked up literature they've fucked up pretty much Every, they fucked up TV, movies, because it's all about who can churn out the biggest pile of shit the fastest, and well, and make and make some make some financial right. position out of it. Yeah. Well, because people will buy a big pile of shit, especially if you can fucking release it when you say you're going to. No, John Wick, that's real art. It is. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, Sorry, Keanu, I'm not shitting on you, brother. But... Yeah, I don't know. I never was a, a dead head. Um, I never saw one show. But it is interesting to... You know, another thing that I think about in relation to, to where you have a cultural position that... And again, like I said, with the the hip hop stuff, to be a purist, you're you're missing the point of the thing in the first place, right? But where it goes from something like punk rock was this thing where, you know, Sid Vicious, Sid Nancy, and uh, the Minutemen, you know, uh, fucking Gigi Allen, you know, I mean that was as fucking counterculture as it gets. That I mean that dude did some weird shit on stage, something like take a shit on stage sometimes because he was so like fuck you motherfuckers and Gigi Allen. He might have been a little bit out of left field, but no matter what, like, like the Minutemen, they had a very specific, like they were angry and they were trying to give a political message. The Dead Kennedys, you know, Jello Biafra, you know, Henry Rollins, um, those various different spaces, like they were uh, Black Flag. And I mean, it wasn't pure, you know, $35 in a six pack do my name, you know, I mean, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, that's about a class thing, but there's, you know. But there was still something pure about what all those people were doing. But then you see like the emergence of, you know, you, you got circle jerks, social distortion, uh, minor, uh, my, uh, minor threat, and then Fugazi. Fugazi was still like Ian McKay was very much 
Like I remember the, the first concert that I went to, like I went to the Beach Boys with my mom when I was like 11. But the first concert I went to by myself was with Leslie and Ryan Carpenter to Fugazi at uh, the Gothic. And it was $4 if you bring a can of food, right? They do it. So they do a, a food drive at the, at the show. Like, I mean, Ian McKay had a very specific social agenda that was tied to everything that he was doing. But then you, and, and like Bad Religion, there was a lot of, I mean, all that stuff was very politically driven, but then you see the emergence of like no effects, you know, and Green Day. Yeah, you, 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 you get into the space of pop, pop punk, right? And that was just skateboards and fashion, you know? I mean, anything that was meaningful you know it's just not it's like once it hits that space where you can make a ton of money out of it, it, it and it becomes a fashion it becomes it losing and I, I i'm not gonna i don't want to i don't want to shit on no effects and all those bands or petty wise you know i don't know a ton about their music it didn't really move me you know i mean i don't know a ton weezer whatever you know? like Pennywise, okay i like weezer i mean not enough to probably go see a show mm-hmm. but i mean I didn't ever consider them Green Day, though. And maybe they are pop punk. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, Green Day. I mean, that was a nightmare because you, like, literally had that... And then it would go the big bass line. So it was, like, two different songs rooted in one song. Green Day's fucking horrible. And I have no idea. Like, they gave them... Like, there's a fucking Green Day musical or some shit, dude. American Idiot, yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like again, I just I and it's not because I think I'm cool or I want to stay cool or it it's more again, like anything whoever it is. I don't know if somebody's looking at a fucking crystal ball or if they're watching fucking TikTok to see what's happening there or Facebook or or what but they end up putting lots of money behind certain genres or certain artists or whatever and they go from being subversive to now being mainstream, you know, and and I kind of understand why, you know, parents were upset about kids in the the late '80s listening to NWA. Um, I I kind of I kind of get that, but you know, now Ice Cube is doing fucking kids movies. It's so fucking weird. So dude. how again? He's the band was niggers with attitude. And now he's doing, are we there yet? (laughs) So he is subversive. I mean, they fucking shut their concert down in Detroit for singing, fuck the police. Coming straight from the underground. And now he's like a fucking disney star or maybe not disney but you get the point yeah, he's, he's it's not whatever 
it gets subverted. I mean, and and the original like that NWA during that time period, I mean, was socially important, you know, really fucking socially important. And I remember I was in fourth fucking grade, and I remember listening to fucking that album and this kid Jim Bradshaw. He'd like bring the fucking tape to school, right? And like we'd have like uh, snow days, right? And like they could play "License to Ill," right? But one time he he tried to put that in and. You know, the teacher. But dude, that was like, and again, like you, you talk about crossovers, you know, like where, because I, I mean, I grew up in Littleton. I mean, I grew up in white fucking suburbia, you yeah. know. I mean, but that opened the door to our understanding of something that was going on in a different community that connected to us on one level but totally didn't connect to us on another level but it opened that that space for us to see something well and it didn't do it with everybody i'm you know fairly certain it did it for you there are a few people that that probably saw it but you know you now ice cube dr dre Yella, all those guys, they were singing for what they thought was their audience. You know, it was, it was the people around them. They weren't singing to cross over. No, but it was there. It was there. But the reason that I mention it is because, you know, again, I mean, Mexicans are beat by the police all the time. Fucking Native Americans are actually killed more than than black people mm-hmm. by the police. Um, so it's it, it's not just a black thing. No, like Cypress Hill. Like when Cypress Hill first got that first album, especially dude. Like pigs, you know, Latin lingo. I mean, of course, like dumb dumb rich white kids love the fact that they talked about weed right which is why they went from a really incredible like the the self the first album to to fucking insane in the fucking membrane you know where hits from the bong you know where it just turns into something about that first album was about social consciousness like i said it was about their experience in 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 la you know and then it went to whatever i'm not again i'm not dogging on any y'all you know but there's a difference between latin lingo and hits from the bong a huge fucking difference and that appealed to tons of middle class white kids i remember so i saw cypress hill at the mammoth in 92 um and rage against the machine opened for them it was a fucking awesome fucking concert like i remember fucking travis little like his uh, uh culturally appropriated dreadlocks you know you know but uh because he was one of the, I, nobody, like I, somebody got me the tape and i was like oh this is fucking incredible you know and uh but then after that because it was by the time that cypress had the second album out you know there it was all about taking six foot bong hits on the fucking stage you know and that just i'm just not really sure it's like it, it, there's from nwa doing getting kicked off in detroit and them getting arrested under certain circumstances doing what it was that they were saying. And then 
and of course, like we, we lived in a black market weed culture, and weed during that time period was something that was subversive. Like there's no there's no doubt about that. But it became studio real quick, you know, in my estimation. But see, you just now mentioned another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, seriously, weed was subversive. Everybody smoked weed in, in all fifty states. I mean, Josh got pulled over in Utah and. Almost had to go to fucking prison yeah. for having two seeds. Two seeds. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, but we we all smoked weed because we thought it was cool. We thought we were fucking rebellious. In the nineties, and was, look at how they fucking snatched onto it and made it mainstream, much, yeah, dude. Like we, we we when we were growing up, there was a concept called a no tolerance state, right? Arizona, uh, Utah. And Nevada, Nevada was a no tolerance state during those time periods. So you go out to fucking dead shows and you get away with fucking murder during those time periods. But if you went out during some other time and a cop fucking decided that they wanted to fuck with you, it was say la vie, you know. I mean, it was weed was like coke, you know, in those places. You could you could have. I mean, all the stuff we were talking about about mandatory minimums, you know, you could get in some deep shit for having not a lot of fucking weed back then. And yes, now it's it's funny, like uh. The market in Colorado, I mean, it became it became marijuana mecca, right? Like like California did the medicinal thing, and then we went medicinal, uh, recreational, like so quick that like all the 420 shit. We'd have all these weird concerts, and I was working downtown at that time. That's when I got into a fight with the postal inspector over all that shit. Um, and then now you have medicinal in in the Mormon mecca, you know. So. It, it, Dude, I think, I think, what was it when we talked about the drug episode, like 32 of the fucking states? Yeah. I mean, you can fucking get weed. And even like Florida, where it's not legal, you can still go get like CBD and shit like that. But again. Florida's legal for medicinal though now. Yeah, but that happened earlier this year though, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Or, or it last, went into it effect. Okay. Um, but I mean, so we're talking about billions of fucking dollars. So, you know, I, I'm always preaching about legalizing drugs, but I don't really think it's going to be that long before they do because of how much money they made off of weed. What did Wu-Tang say? Cash moves everything around me. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Wu Tang ain't nothing to fuck with. Um, Thirty six chambers. <laughs> so I don't know. Like it, it really fucking bothers me because you know now there are fucking 60 year old women women walking into tattoo parlors and and getting tats it really you know i well at least they don't have an eagle turning into a vulture you know it will soon enough cuz they're already fucking 60 um you know i talked about it don't in be a hater, dude. in my book about those fucking dildos at the fucking uh halloween party saying well dude we got free ink when the government was doing a tattoo behind your ear and one on your arm and one on your ankle for the tracking purposes. 
you know. Anyway, um, all of these people were excited because they got free ink, and I'm willing to bet that if the government did come up with a tracking system and said that they had to get a tattoo, that people would say something exactly like that because, well, I, it, it's for a couple like, of different reasons. But. As we talk about all this stupid shit, I, it, like it, it, I remembered Dave and Brady sitting at my kitchen table and they took an ink pen and they heated up a needle and they they did their own tattoo things on their hands back while they were smoking weed in my living room. Yeah, the Indian ink and our, they didn't even use Indian no, ink. they just used straight out of the Bic, brother. Circa 1991, if I remember correctly. And I, not probably 92. I think Brady finally had the, uh, he definitely, it, was, it had to be 92 because I think he had the Eagle Talent at that point. But they, because that, that was them sort of like living out there. Right. They were rebels. Rebel, rebel position. Yeah. Well, now nobody's a fucking rebel. I, I, what can we do these days that would be not rebellious? Because technically, rebellion is different than sub or counterculture. Mm -hmm. Um, but. I guess for society's definition, we could say re rebellious. Um, what is there you can do these days that is... Well, obviously, if you think about it in a different way. I mean, it's not about something that can be fattable, right? Or fashionable, you know? It's not something that you could shift, shift into that space. One is that you have to see outside of the direct social space that you're existing inside of. You have to see the, the tenets of what allows that system re to reproduce itself. And you have to create something that stands in opposition to that. So on some level, you have to tap into those other spaces that, that are outside. Like if you're here, you know, like, like, like for instance, like in the United States right now, people are still very caught up in the rhetorical disposition between Democrats and Republicans, for instance. Right, you have to stand straight against the entire, like the entire system in relation to that. Oh well, that's all I do. I no, but you have to have like like a concrete plan that shows. And it doesn't it doesn't mean that, uh, but it's a way of saying uh, all of the stupid fucks that say, well, if you do this, then you're throwing something away. Yeah, the lesser of two evils. Yeah, okay, so so oh. like I said, I brought up Cornel, Cornel West, right? Like Cornel West is very vocal about your damn Republican stuff, right? He says it in a different way, but it's you know a, cor a corporate duopoly, you know, however it is that he frames it. But it's very clear that you know, like he posits that it doesn't matter if Republican or Democrat wins. Nothing's going to change with regards to Ukraine. This is going to continue to drive forward, whether it's Trump or it's fucking Biden, assuming that they don't, they, they neutralize the force that like RFK Jr. and uh, um, uh, the, the goofy, uh, Marianne Williamson uh, do, are, are, are uh, offering on the left and, and Cornell, 
outside from the outside or uh, but everybody else that's a republican candidate right now i mean it's funny because like uh, the right needs to get they need to get to the point where they're smart enough at some point in time that they see like at least when they voted for johnson anybody that voted for johnson was like all republicans are corporate republicans ostensibly right or uh, militaristic republicans because there is no difference between it doesn't matter whether it's tim scott mike pence uh, uh florida um who's the dipshit from florida cruz no 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 florida the 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 governor of florida he's the other oh big the bush candidate. he's the other oh. no no he's the other big candidate right now i i love the fact that you don't know this it, it well, I know Cruz is from Florida. Bush he, was from Florida. Um, you got to be more specific. DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. So he's the he, he's the people that Republicans identify as the big opposition to Trump. So uh, when it comes down to it, and they force like a codifying of forces as uh, the Republican di- you know diametrically opposite to Trump, uh, they'll force Pence out. They'll force Tim Scott out. They'll force all the the, the various different. Uh, uh, the other actors that are for all intents and purposes i mean pence is a little bit different because he's a super fucking religious like he, he's like rick Santorum in a lot of respects um but desantis will agree to sort of like go in go in line with with all of those different spaces but it'll just be him against them but they're both uh, they're both formally um institutional uh republicans whereas like uh RFK and don't don't get me wrong like I don't uh, um, and if anybody wants to you know send us a, an email or a text and discuss the question with regards to his vaccine positions I would be more than happy to talk to anybody about that but uh, his he's a doctor he's got a very complicated position with regards to the vaccine stuff and uh, whether you like it or not the vaccines still haven't demonstrated anything except for the fact that a lot of people didn't die, but they did not solve our fucking problem in relation to COVID. So if you think that they actually did, uh, quit reading the fucking propaganda. Get your fucking heads out of your ass and use your fucking brains. But uh, um, aside from that, RFK wants to get out of Ukraine. Um, I don't know that uh, Marianne Williamson, like she doesn't have as developed a foreign policy position, but her domestic poli- policy position is like straight socialist, right? So um those two at least represent something that runs antithetical to uh, to Biden, you know. But at the same time, uh, you really need that Cornell West base to sort of like really be the thing that's outside of it. But all I'm saying is, is that because you you asked the question, what can we do? It would have to be something that would understand that there will be no Republican or Democrat solution to this problem, right? And that it has to be something that transcends the nation state anyway. You know, it has to be something that's beyond the, the, the realm of, you have to be reaching from stuff outside, you know, because inside of the space, we're very, we're very US narcissistic when it comes to what we identify or think about in terms of possibility. So if it's gonna be something that's gonna be outside, it, it needs to both be figuratively and literally. Outside. Yeah, I, I think you misunderstood my question. Uh, I was mainly talking, like, because we were talking about cyber countercultures and how it seems like everything has gone mainstream. Well, Democrats and Republicans were already mainstream. Not that I'm trying to piss off my mom, because I do that pretty much anyway. But um, 
like we used to do that stuff to like piss off our parents or say fuck you to the cops or whatever. Is there anything we can do now? That's my fucking point. That I understood your question perfectly. Okay, well. I just wanted to it make sure it has to be all the way outside. Because because the So system... we've got to go full blown from counterculture to rebellion then. I don't I'm not no, I don't want I don't want it to be, it doesn't need to be like that, but it needs to be something that like every time I hear somebody create a solution, it's it's through these very specific avenues. And the avenue needs to be something different, something new, something outside, something that we don't we don't have a way of doing something internally because I mean that's why the, the Black Lives that's why I brought that up earlier because the the instance that that occurred I mean and that was a fucking a black man being murdered by fucking multiple police officers on fucking camera in front of the fucking whole world I mean all the different instances where somebody got killed by a cop like that was like in your fucking face just I mean. And that year it was multiples though. Yeah. I but, mean it was George Floyd and Freddie Gray and But the, the the Floyd one because of the because of the the filming from beginning to end made it a unique, disgusting uh what's the uh, police brutality? No no when we voyeuristic sort of like like space. Kind of like what happened to that guy in the subway. Well so the, you know, now that you mentioned Black Lives Matter, all they really did was take a fucking carbon copy of everything the cancer people had done. Like, okay, we're going to sell a colored bracelet and we're going to sell a t-shirt and we're going to ask for donations. And obviously the cancer people, I can't remember which one of them came up first. I think it was the yellow one for Lance, but it might've been the pink one for breast, but whatever, testicular breast cancer, whatever. All of them within, you know, six months of each other have the different colored bracelets for the different colored cancer. I found out last year that purple is for fucking epilepsy and some other things. So they've got a fucking, like a textbook success study on how to make your nonprofit go through the roof and catch people's attention and it's by selling accessories but it's not just about making your nonprofit go through the roof it's about taking a, a thing that could potentially become counter and to fold it back into the thing itself like because right. it could have turned into something else you know some other things could have occurred out of that but they literally like co-opted the whole thing in a matter of minutes i mean that's that's part of the reason why i mean in Democrats, Republicans, whatever, that's part of the reason why the Bernie space was kind of interesting because there was a moment where you had something that was standing in front of that system saying, and he, cause he, he's been an independent forever. He's, he, he's a socialist, you know, I mean, uh, he, he used a mod, an MMT, modern monetary theory person as his, as his economic advisor and Stephanie Kelton, like he, he had a very, he was not a Democrat. Which is, I mean, of course, like all the all the mainstream Democrats were saying that, you know, and they were right. Of course, they were right. But he was trying to create a mirror in, in that moment. So there was a space where there was something that could happen. And then, like a bitch, Bernie, 
I'll never forget. I saw him speak at, in 2016. He came to Jeannie's school, uh, Thunder Ridge, and uh, I was so fucking mad at him then because he was, you know, Hillary this and Hillary that. And I was like, dude, you said all that shit, and now you're sticking your fucking tongue up that fucking cunt's ass, you know? I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you, you know? And then... Again, like momentum, and he had some really cool, like Nina Turner and Brianna Joy Gray, and again, like I don't agree with Stephanie Kelton's positions with regards to political economy, but she had it was it was something different, it was something interesting, and it showed something about money that was important that we needed to be thinking about, and all of these things happened, and then COVID occurred, and within the period of uh, 60 days you had a movement that got after the nevada win uh, south carolina went to biden super tuesday like he, he just got crushed because everybody dropped out and instead of at least standing there and fuck fucking elizabeth warren for not fucking dropping out at that point in time, she would have dropped out south carolina could have gone very differently i fucking mean that and i appreciate all the fucking stuff that you did in the wake of the bullshit that happened with Wall Street, but you should have fucking dropped out. You were a sellout, bitch. And when you accused him of being a sexist, and I'm a white guy, you go ahead and fucking say whatever the fuck you want about me. You were a fucking bitch for doing what you did during that time period. You should, the second that Buttigieg and uh, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin lady, whatever her name was, that senator dropped out, as soon as that all happened, um, Elizabeth Warren strategically should have understand that... Uh, Bernie had much more momentum than she did, and there could have been a real, something real that happened. But something happened in that moment that was possible, and then he fucking wilted like a fucking flower. And ever since then, he he's voted on all the fucking the military bills. He's voted on all the Ukraine bills. Uh, I mean, he's just fallen in line like the, and all the, 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 the measly-ass weak shit that you guys had, um, uh, the America, whatever act, fuck you all. You're you're a fucking apologist for power now. So again, something that got subsumed into the, into the position where he was actually in a spot where something could have happened. Black Lives Matter was in a spot where something could have happened, no, but nothing fucking happens because the the corporate position consumed it. And uh, maybe they, maybe maybe uh, Bernie was hanging out with uh, Edelstein too or something. What the uh, what the guy um, the the CIA guy that. Uh, that allegedly now Noam Chomsky borrowed money from too. Or... Well, there was some other stuff with with Black Lives Matter that you told me about, like the fucking dude that started it, or maybe it was just the California one. You know, went and bought a six million dollar house yeah, or some shit. I mean, money. yeah. So I think while we can blame corporations and and the political infrastructure that we have. I, I think we can blame a lot of what happens on that. But I mean, it can't it can't solely be that. Maybe it is. But I don't strategically, know. Strategically if that's what it is that neutralizes it, then that's what it is that neutralizes it. But that's where like I don't mean I'm not giving you a good answer to your question because it's you're asking for something new. You know, it has to be something that like, like what you brought up about those people that are living in those spaces, that's why that's so interesting because it happened organically. 
you know, when something like that happens organically and then people sort of start to, especially like in the New Mexico situation. And like I said, the, the way that they had it in, into, into the wild and that, I don't know if it was in Nevada or Arizona, but it was in that desert area, or maybe it was in uh, Eastern California or something like that, but where you have these spaces where something happens and people start to congregate. Oh, you're talking about down at the Salton Sea in California? Like, I, I can't remember. I don't, it was, did you see Into the Wild? The movie Into the Wild? About the the kid that died up in... Uh, Alaska? Yeah, uh-huh. I saw parts of it. There's this goofy um, part of it where he meets the um, uh, the girl from Twilight. Like, the he meets these hippies and they end up in this space. But that space, there's all those... It, the picture that you painted about New Mexico where there's all those, uh, you know, sort of like this caravanning that sort of happens in those spots. That gives me sort of a thought of inspiration to where something, there's a reclaiming of space, you know, um, nobody's using it, but at the same time, somebody takes something that people see as useless and they turn it into something that's incredibly useful because it's not just that they're surviving there, they're creating a social space and a social consciousness at the same time, you know, um, that, that interests me, but still like you're like, things are so I mean, we're so, we're so socially constipated here. Like, if anything started to grow in those spaces, you could immediately see somebody coming in, you know, and just breaking that shit up, you know. So, like, I don't know what the next space is, but it's not going to be something that's just going to function. It's going to have to be something in this where you you're connecting to somebody over here and they're connecting over here. And something else happens. No, I understand that. I guess I was just thinking about <clears throat> from a, I don't know. What? Just because the line is always going to be pushed and then pulled back and then pushed again and pulled back. That's the and, nature of. Yeah. But, I mean, we've obviously pushed the line quite a ways and... Maybe it's going to come back and knock a bunch of people over. I don't fucking know because I can't figure out really exactly what to do. I mean, you know, fentanyl's going fucking crazy. People are dying left and right. And it seems like the the first thing anybody around here wanted to do was make it well, not illegal to carry fentanyl, um, which is, is weird to me. I mean, that's just acceptance on some level, but it's, I don't know, maybe they're trying to thin the crowd. I don't know. Um, it's just weird to me. Again, I'm trying to figure out, because if we push the line so far, you know, Alcoholism, being fucking crazy, tattoos, can't listen to, you know, any kind of music anymore, because all of it is accepted by everyone. I, I mean, there might be some genres that people don't like, but it's not like they're saying, turn that shit off because of whatever. Head, we all have headphones. Right. I mean, so, oh. Which is the is which is the no that's the tra but you get what I'm saying that's the yeah. tragedy of that moment is that like 
the cool thing about a dead show is that that's something that when everybody's, like I said, there was a sickness in the way that everybody kind of hung on to Jerry's every note at the end, but there was still something that was interesting and important to be said about everybody being in the same place at the same time. Like if we're only, if I'm just listening to the music that I like and you're just listening to the music I like, then music's no longer, it's no longer social, you know? Well, I've never been able to get an explanation and this doesn't have anything to do with the dead or music necessarily. Um, But, you know, we started kind of talking about hippies and that's how we got onto the dead thing. Mm -hmm. And again, I've never been able to get a good explanation as to why it happened, but Again, not some, or not all, but some of them ended up selling out. And I mentioned Santana, but I've heard and I've watched movies where they've made this statement lots where, you know, hippies basically converted to yuppies. So they went from fighting a revolution to just joining yuppies. Yeah. Um, and so all of those people that turned like on some of the Coke documentaries that I saw that were, you know, down in Miami, Mm -hmm. they were talking about a lot of those people in Miami and New York for that matter, where they had been hippies, but then now the eighties were this time of, you know, materialism and, and going over the top and Learjets and fancy cars and diamonds and this and that. And so they started buying lots of Coke and snorting it and partying all the time. And so how do you go from fighting a revolution to just saying, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to buy a Mercedes and get a job and I'm going to work 40 hours a week until I die and you guys give me a watch. I gave you a frame of reference for that a long time ago. When my first, when we first, when you first moved in here, you got to watch the big chill. Oh, I don't think that's the answer, but I think that there's an interesting discussion that goes on. But that's another one of those movies that talks about it. The whole thing is about these people who all went to University of Michigan together, and they all identify themselves as revolutionaries. They went their separate ways. You know, one became this, the other became that, the other became that we were supposed to change the world. We were supposed to be revolutionaries. And now we're, we're the opposite of the thing that we saw ourselves as, you know, I mean, obviously the question you're asking is, is, is sort of rhetorical on some level because there is no clear answer to what it is that happens, except for that. Sometimes the question is just too big for us to negotiate as an individual. Well, there, I mean, there could be some of it too. Like, I mean, I don't fucking rant and rave nearly as much as I used to. I, you know. Because ranting and raving is revolutionary? Because I just fucking got old and tired. And maybe that's why they just decided to join in and be like everybody else. I don't know. And that's speculation. But something happened. And the hippie thing isn't important, but something happens with all of these things where it just moves from being on the periphery of society and then all of a sudden it's 
accepted with open arms. And money is part of it. But I don't know if that's the only well, part. Well, look, at, so just as a another example of it, and this is in like a clear movement sense, right? So in the mid-60s, the SDS, they wrote, they wrote the Port Huron Statement, and they were, for all intents and purposes, nonviolent in that time period, right? And you had a faction of that group that broke off, right? And they said, you don't understand the material conditions that are functioning that reproduce this, the, the set of social relations, relations that exist presently, right? You can go and do all your fucking protesting. You can go fucking have your anti-war this, anti-war that. Uh, I mean, they were they were hardcore social theorists. All the people that ended up breaking off and going into the weather underground space, right? And they were thinking about they understood the connection between the military industrial the military industrial complex and the state and corporate positions and the way that they were integrated writ large, right? So you had a bunch of people that had a picture in their head, right? It's it's like the princess syndrome, right? I I have this this prince that I want to fucking marry me, you know? And he's got the hair that curls this way and he wears his clothes that way and he shines his shoes that way and he makes this amount of money and this and that and blah 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 blah. That is no difference different than a bunch of people saying if we all stand here and we tell people what's morally correct, what they ought to be doing, then we can persuade them to do what they're supposed to be doing, and eventually the world will change, and then it will become what it is that we want it to be, right? Anybody that thinks that is fucking stupid, all right? There are people that exist in certain spaces that understand perfectly well that the money that they make kills people, and they're perfectly okay with that fact. Because it enriches their position, it enriches their coffers, and they're going to fucking keep going, right? So when when the people broke off from SDS and became the Weather Underground, Bernadine Dorn and uh, uh, Bill Ayers and all those fucking motherfuckers, right? Um, Bodine, all of them. They knew the way that power reproduced itself. They knew that you couldn't just stand there and tell the world what they should be doing because the world knew exactly what it was doing it knew how it was getting what it was getting and it was going to continue to do that and they were going to allow you to continue to have those cathartic acts because those cathartic acts created a release in social space where people got a good feeling that they were doing something right they believed that there was going to be an outcome that they were hoping for despite the fact the outcome that they were hoping for was never going to come right? So they broke off and they started doing everything that they were going to do, right? The, the Weather Underground's tactics were clear. They did not want to bomb anybody specifically. They bombed sites that were tied to the military industrial complex, to the state that continued to per perpetrate certain positions in relation to that. And what happened? In the long run, nothing. Zero. Zilch. I mean, they might have created some measure of consciousness in people like me or like you, you know, but if it weren't for the fact that the FBI still had to function according to the rule of law, then they all would have been put in prison. Now, the FBI doesn't have to function according to the rule of law, 
So if you do what it was that the Weather Underground was doing back then, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You're going to be occupying the cell right next to Julian Assange. You're going to be fucked from here to fucking eternity. So yeah, or just dead. Yeah, yeah, yes, it could. Yeah, one, one or the other. No matter what, you're going to be neutralized because the rule of law is like what we're doing right here. Because we have 600 downloads last month, but not 600,000. Right. Is nobody's going to give a fuck about what we do, what we say. We exist in this space for the sake of catharsis for us. And for the people that listen to us. And we hope not. We hope at some point in time people will listen to what it is that we have to say. But the fact of the matter is, as long as you have this gigantic demographic of people like the SDS, because that's no different than what was happening. What was interesting about the Black Lives Matter stuff is there was a moment there where everybody knew exactly how the, how the state functioned. They stood on They stood on top of a black guy and choked him to fucking death. And anybody that tried to change that system, they were going to stand on your fucking chest and they were going to choke you to fucking death. So people got a little crazy for a little bit, you know? And that, I'm, I'm, I'm not being prescriptive right now. I, I, I'm just saying that ideal types and moral positions do not change a world. You have to have something else that's going to change that world. And again, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck that is. But as long as you have that space that's functioning... And this space that functions in relation to it, and now you have a state that's functioning in an infinitely more aggressive way than it was in the late 60s and the, the early middle 70s. It's, I mean, it's a tough fucking road to hoe right now. Like, I, I, I like counter counterculture, you know, uh, the next space is going to be It's going to be interesting, and it's going to be a lot different, and it's going to be a lot more aggressive. I don't know. I I don't know. I, I'll guess I'll just wait and see what the fuck happens, but I just don't even see any of it. Because really, I mean, that fucking stupid article that I read wasn't too far off, dude. Which, like, so the subcultures really are... Southerners and people from New England and the bronies and fucking Native Americans and Hispanics. That's a postmodern expression of what subculture is. No, You're talking about other kinds of subculture. Like when I was talking about the Hegelian stuff earlier, that's a totally different thing. That's that's us allowing the consumption position to define what subculture is. You're asking for something that transcends the way that the postmodern position defines what subculture is. You're asking for something more, something different, something outside of that. You're not asking for bronies. No, I'm not. But that's my point, is that maybe those are the the subcultures because everything else has been absorbed and nobody wants to be a brony. And if you're Hispanic, you're fucking Hispanic. And if you're Native American, you're Native American. So you're already in that subculture and it doesn't have to be counter. I mean, the Native Americans already did their counterculture thing when they said, fuck you, we're sovereign citizens, we're not going to pay your taxes, kiss my ass. And then the feds raided them, and now they pay taxes. Um, we'll let you have a, a casino. <laughs> well, no, that was when they raided them. 
because they had the casinos. But even still, they but it was still that like if you were going to let you do this, there's going to be a reciprocal relationship. Yes, and it's again. So whenever if they're going to lose money on it, they're okay. going to figure out a way to get their money. The state. Okay. So this this is the point that I'm making is is that when you're talking about the next phase or the next moment. It's not going to be inside the United States solely. It's going to be something that, while it might have a relationship, to, it obviously has to have a relationship because that's where Empire or the Imperial or the transnational state, uh, one of the transnational state centers functions through and out of. The next space is going to have to, you can't circumvent it because it's, there's no outside anymore, right? Everything's internal. We're all part of the same collective social consciousness now. There is no outside anymore. If you live in Afghanistan, you can have a fucking Google Pixel. You know, you can have a fucking Apple, uh, whatever, I, I, whatever iPad and whatever. You know, and, and that's with shitty fucking internet service and everything. And if you can have that there, you can have it anywhere. We're all part of the same social space now. Nation states are a divisive space that keep us just like race that keep us separated. It's, it's funny for me that I understand why the UK did what they did because of the, the pound sterling and all that, that kind of stuff. They needed to separate them. And because Europe, the way that the, Europe, the Europeans did the Euro and they fucked up, you know, they fucked up in the same way that we fucked up when the Articles of Confederation was written. Europeans, you fucked up. If you did it smarter, you'd be in a much better position to negotiate power in relation to the United States right now because the euro would be stronger. Uh, you could counterpose your position in relation to the United States. Everybody would be inside of that same social space. It wouldn't be the French and the German having their, 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 their social spaces and then the Spanish getting fucked over here and the Greeks getting fucked over here and the Italians getting fucked over here. Everybody would be part of the same united whole at that point in time. You fucked up, all right? Now, having said that, the next space, everybody that I like, everybody that has, I was listening to this guy named Etienne Bolivar earlier today. I never listened to him before. Janet said, you got you to listen to this guy a little bit. Um, again, when he got the prescriptive position, and prescriptive positions are always open because there's no clear answers to what it is that we're trying to deal with in this social space right now. But if you want to have a counter position in relation to the position that's functioning right now, has to be transnational, has to be global. Capital already functions like that. We socially do not. And if we want to counter a position in relation to that that's formidable, thoughtful, and creates a space Go, global punk rockism, whatever the fuck it, you know, turns out to be. Global fucking K-pop, C-pop. What I don't give a fuck, you know. It, it it has to get out of those paradigmatic spaces that are keeping us. I mean, you get so keyed in on the fact that everybody gets so bogged down in identity in relation to sexuality or uh, race. It's not different when it comes to nationality or nation-state no, relationships. I didn't say that it was, but a lot of that, like, so you've traveled. 
I've traveled bit, some, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, some of our friends have traveled extensively, some, you know, but I know people, I've talked to people that have never left the state. So it's hard for someone who has never been even to fucking Seattle to think about stuff and not, not politics, not finance, but socially, it's hard for them to think socially if they've never left the fucking Denver metro area, if they've never left New York City or Miami or wherever. Um, so while I don't completely disagree with what you're saying, I think that that bridge is going to be a hard bridge to cross because of the fact that so many people are not even, you know, lower middle class. So they might be able to read what's going on in the Ukraine or Russia, wherever. And that's if that isn't censored, but they might be able to read and actually know what is going on in these other places. But they won't ever know what is going on in those other places because they've never been there. And they won't know how those people act socially. But you're presupposing that based on actually having to get to those spaces physically, geographically. And, and what I would like at least say counter to that is that the children that are born of this time period actually have especially this, like the really like the ones that can really create a space that 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 I'm pointing towards or hoping towards like in in, in in this context I think about the fact that and we still don't have any fucking idea who it is that's really listening right but we know that somebody listens in the Philippines we know that somebody listens in India. We know we've got a couple people that listen in the UK. Like, there is a space where we can imagine those other spaces, even if we can't get there. And if we don't know for sure, we totally have the ability to communicate with people that are in those other spaces that can not give us a perfect approximation of what it is in those spots, but they can give us they can get us closer without having to be there. So there's a possibility without being there that, I mean, otherwise, why in the fucking world does an 18-year-old fucking girl listen to our shit in the Philippines? I mean, based on the demographic, you know, information that's given to us with regards to when we look at the statistics, right? Right. Like I said, I'm guessing she's stationed there from the Navy. Which but... may be true or may, may not be true. And it may be... And actually, a a sixteen seven year old a sixty seven year old Filipino man that creates an identity as an eighteen year old you know Filipino girl or right whatever. so yeah. that really does a lot for us from a social but perspective but, ge but geographically <laughs> but geographically in terms of where they're at and what they're doing now having said that there's a, there's a response somebody could make in relation to that community because they're creating false IP addresses that make it look like they're from those locations and. I don't, I don't know enough technologically to respond to that, that claim, right? But having said that, those statistics still keep popping up. And in my mind, 
in the world that I imagine, and I'm not imagining a world and saying, oh, if everybody does this and does that, then I get my princess reality. You know, what I what I'm what I'm seeing is that the technological infrastructure that exists and the potential for consciousness to reach into those different spaces and to create possibilities. And if if we can honestly, like it's so funny listening to people talk about artificial intelligence right now because everybody's like the Terminator, you know, blah 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 blah. I'm like whatever we don't know we, we have no fucking idea but the fact of the matter is is that those spaces do exist in terms of the technological infrastructure in our reality and who knows you know and like honestly if i didn't believe there was a possibility i would not be fucking sitting here telling this with you i have to fucking believe that there's a possibility otherwise honestly i'd slip my wrist in a warm tub i'd fucking blow my fucking brains out and I'm not going to fucking do that because I see the infrastructure there. I see the possibility there. And I listen to other people that are talking that I like, that have thoughts that are good. And they excite me enough to where I'm foolish enough to believe that there's still some measure of hope in relation to something that could be a real counterculture that exists outside of the existing power structure right now. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm still just trying to think of like, well, never mind. Because that's mind. no, that's a fucking topic for another show. I I was you just have time to tangent. Oh well, it's not. I don't. I haven't really formulated the thought. I'm still just sitting here thinking, you know, like somebody can fucking Facebook Messenger or fucking tweet or TikTok or whatever with these people in these other countries. But you're only going, kind of like when we used to play darts or foosball or whatever, you're only going to get as good as, you know, the person you're playing. You're only going to know as much as, that person knows so if you're a fucking idiot talking to another idiot then how does how does that help us that's very glass half full though you know like the, because i mean there's an ontology that creates the possibility to where you could have an intelligent person talking to an intelligent person too you know and so like you have somebody puts like there's there's this guy named james lee that i he, he he's through breaking points and He's been doing these shorts lately that are, they're funny and they're shit talky and uh, they're not super in depth, but they're insightful, you know, and it's, it's like TikTok, but it's not TikTok, but the way that he does it, like I've reached out to him a couple times and we've interacted back and forth and this guy I don't fucking know, you know, but he's tied to that media network that I like that's interesting and I offer thoughts and he offers thoughts. You know, I mean, that's how, that's how you lay a foundation, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, Rome wasn't built in a fucking day, you know, one, one, one stone by stone, my good man, you know, you, you just go one space at a time. We, this is, what is this episode? This is episode 100, you know, we, we went from having, technically this is 101, well, we can argue over that on a different point, <laughs> but 
this is room 101. So this is, we, we just walked into 1984. But having said that, um, we had a lot more downloads last month. We've had quite a few downloads this month maintaining, you know, we don't know if it's people that are listening from a community that we don't respect or have any interest in, or if they're actually real human beings. We haven't had any real responses from text message or from voicemail, but the downloads are there, you know, everything, everything is a, everything that you do, these are all just prayers, you know, they're all, it's everything that you do is you reach out in an act of faith and not in religious faith, like real concrete ontological human faith. Yeah. You know? I, I, I just don't want to go straight to, yeah, there, I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, fucking 4chan exists, you know, and, and I watched the people that are on MSNBC talking back and forth. There's a lot of dumb motherfuckers out there. But at the same time, like... There are people I know that have been to these other places that don't know shit about the culture. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, well, well, yeah, it's fine, except... Well, whatever. This is not a teleological thing. It's not going to go in a straight line. It's, it's rooted in conflict, you know? You just, you know... You get up, you put your fucking gloves on, and you fight again, and you just keep fucking fighting until the until you're done, you know. Because even though you're becoming an old man, and maybe you don't engage in conflict quite as uh, aggressively and directly as you used to, you're still sitting here across the table from me talking shit, motherfucker. Oh, I know, and I'm probably not ever gonna stop that until I actually just throw in the towel but I don't know I just like you know when Sa Sally Struthers and shit did her thing you know trying to feed all these starving people around the world eyes, yeah. I know it always bothered me because we had starving people here in Denver we had starving people here in the United States and I know that Denver is in the United States um, but you don't say. Like, I don't know. I just wanted to fix one thing before we tried to fix the global thing. And I know that you're saying the global thing is the one thing. I understand that's what you're saying. But unless we can fix... That's a teleological argument. Well, again, talk to some of these fucking idiots that have been these places and ask them about the culture but again you that uh, yeah i mean i've already said what i've had to say about that so. that's fine um okay so yeah once again we had another topic where we gave you no true answers but we did give you some shit to think about <laughs> um send us a fucking text or a fucking email or something i want to know come on filipino person or indian person i want to know who you motherfuckers are i want to know what you think I want to know why you listen. Yeah, or fuck it, the ones in the United States. Even or if you Italy, think we're idiots. Okay. Tell us we're idiots. But at least tell us why, you know. Get 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 involved in the conversation. All right. So we are coming up on an hour and 20. Um, 
any closing thoughts? I really do have a fucking fly in my eye or some shit, dude. So, obviously, we're going to do the media stuff for the next two episodes, but we're thinking about for the episode after that, we're going to talk about some of the fallacies of uh, the move away from uh, gas and oil to renewable energies as a solution to energy problems in the world. That's, that's something I think we're going to talk about on the one after that. Yeah, I thought that that was what we had discussed. Okay. Um, yeah, so whether or not these fucking new sustainable energies are any better than the one that isn't sustainable. Yeah. And by the way, dildos, electricity isn't sustainable. Well, at least not with clean coal. Because there's no such thing as clean coal. Anyway. We'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> in three episodes from now. <laughs> so, um, short Bus Debate Club at Yahoo.com. 720-334-ROLL. And we will talk to you soon. Hasta luego. Placido Domingo.